You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's happening, Pat's pals and Foxborough friends? We welcome you to the latest and always greatest edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, a presentation of WEEI. Odyssey Sports and 2400 Sports. Today, you're going to hear from Andy Jumbo Hart, me, your old pal, Nick Fitzy Stevens, primetime himself, Chris Scheim, and a couple of writers, some people who happen to know a little something, something about Sunday's Gillette Stadium contestants, those being your New England Patriots, who will be decked out resplendent, if I say, in those of us who are watching on uh, the social medias uh, or Facebook, YouTube right now can see. I got my vintage Pat the Patriot painter's cap with that gorgeous font from 1985 out right now, given to me as a birthday present back when uh, Tony Eason led the Patriots to a shocking AFC championship win over the Miami Dolphins and then were curb stomped by the Bears in the Super in the <laughs> Super Bowl 20. So you got the Pat the Patriot decked out Patriots, probably led by Bailey Zappi at home against the Detroit Lions. And when this schedule was released months ago, I think a lot of us probably thought, hey, that should be an easy win for the Patriots. Oh, that's when they're going to wear the Pat the Patriot throwbacks. What a fun autumn way to celebrate football. Well, now you got the Patriots limping in on a high ankle sprain of Mac Jones, led by the upstart, lovable fourth round rook in Bailey Zappi, a team that potentially could be galvanized by the effort they put forth against the Green Bay Packers last Sunday, going 70 minutes down to the wire against them. Up against a Detroit Lions team that is exciting, ridiculous, mind-boggling, and fascinating. They score the most points in the NFL, and they also give up the most points in the NFL. Their coach, the dude, Dan Campbell, is the ultimate hardo, and yet everybody absolutely loves him. I mean, who doesn't love a coach that does all the Oklahomas and the up-downs with all of his players out there? The team resembles him. They're all grit. Maybe not the smartest team in the NFL, but they make for a fun watch. And there's a chance they might be able to stress the Patriots in ways that even if they prepare for, they may just not have enough for. But can the Patriots also maybe have their way with that Lions team that gave up 48 points last Sunday to Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks? So let's find out. Let's get this podcast party started. Let's get the preview rolling right now. We welcome in from Detroit, 97 won the ticket. He's in the Odyssey family. He's a great writer, good guy, and he uh, loves himself from New England because he's a Connecticut native. Will Birchfield with a little Detroit Lions Honolulu Blue perspective. Pleased to be joined for the Lions preview portion of the Six Rings and Football Things Pat's Lions preview by a newcomer to the program, but he's in the family for a number of reasons. He works for Odyssey. He loves football. He's a married man. We congratulate him. He just joined that <laughs> club a month ago. And his favorite beer is Narragansett. All the priorities are in order for 97-1, the tickets. Will Birchfield, otherwise known as Birchie the Kid. What's up, Will? Thanks for joining us today. Pleasure to be here, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so I think when a lot of us saw this game on the slate, we didn't think it would be as pivotal for both franchises and as potentially as exciting as I think the game is going to be on Sunday. Um, people kind of are having a love affair with the Lions because they're super exciting to watch. And they gave us one of the better, more memorable seasons on Hard Knocks recently. This team's wild. Uh, they're an absolute wild ride. They give up the most points in the NFL. <laughs> it's historically, as we, uh, as someone detailed, they're the worst defense maybe ever so far. And yet they score the most points. So what is the identity of this team and which one, which one is coming to town on Sunday, Will? Yeah, well, I'll start by saying this. Around here, this game was circled right away because Lions fans and even some guys in that locker room, only a few left, view it as the Matt Patricia revenge game. And he came here and destroyed an already destroyed franchise even further. And 
it's ironic that the Lions come to New England with the worst defense in the NFL because they were known for the worst defense in the NFL when Matt Patricia was here. And he's now coaching an offense that for the Lions looks right for the picking with a third string quarterback probably playing on Sunday. But yeah, the Lions, if nothing else, have been entertaining through four games. They have combined via their points scored and points allowed for the mo- most points in NFL history through four games. And leave it to this team to put together a historic offense and then just kind of forget how to play defense. And they're one in three. The only team that could lead the league in points scored and yet be one in three through four games is your Detroit Lions. And they continue to boggle the mind in different ways every week. And when they lost last week, 48-45, that has to be rock bottom for this defense. And if it isn't, you start talking about Aaron Glenn, the coordinator, potentially on a hot seat. Uh, the the Browns are one of those teams that they're, I think they're known nationally for their coach, Dan Campbell, because of his personality, Lions, his yeah. quote. The Lions, yeah. the whole, excuse me, uh, the Lions. Yeah. What does he bring to that locker room and that team? Like, what's the perception of Dan Campbell locally? Like, do people laugh at him, the emotion, or do they think this is the guy that's turning the Lions around and is going to take them to where they want to go? If you had asked me that four weeks ago, I would have said, by and large, they believe in him as being the guy that's going to get this ship in the right direction. Four games later, with a couple coaching gaffes and questionable decisions, that faith is eroding a little bit. And we've seen a lot of coaches come in here, including your guy, Patricia, who were hailed as the guy that was going to take this team to the next level. And Dan Campbell still has a lot of momentum because he has tons of faith in that locker room and tons of trust in that locker room. They, these players do believe in what he is selling. And, and that's a really big part in building a winning culture. But schematically – Late in games, he's made some questionable calls, including in week three, when they had three chances late in that game against the Vikings to either go for a fourth down, to punt, or to attempt a long field goal of a kicker who had never made a field goal of that distance before, and they missed the field goal. And, of course, the Vikings come down the field and score to win the game. So among the fan base, that faith might be slipping, but in that locker room, it's still as strong as ever. Yeah, the Lions are coming to town uh, with this reputation of being, you know, messy and dynamic, of being full of grit and everything Dan Campbell talks about. And (laughs) it makes him super lovable. Um, And, of course, he got the best of Belichick six and a half years ago in a game in Miami where Belichick's obstinance ran right into the teeth of uh, a Dan Campbell Miami team that he had fired up and motivated for the end of a kind of meaningless season. So, You've got revenge game motives on all sides here, but yeah, I, Detroit is super banged up. And I'm wondering, do you think that that's going to compromise the way that they play in any, in any respect, because they were banged up last week and yet somehow still were able to almost put up a 50 burger at home. Yeah. It won't compromise the way they run the ball because it hasn't so far. And, and that's the calling card of this team, even though they're missing a pro bowl guard up front and, and another starting guard. And at one point we're missing an all pro center and Frank Mag now and are missing now DeAndre Swift. They still lead the league in yards per game yards per carry. And, and that hasn't slipped despite the attrition up front. And that can't be stressed enough how insane it is to say like Bill Belichick mentioned yesterday, quote, they got that run game going in Detroit as good or better than anyone in the NFL. That hasn't been said here since Barry Sanders was the guy running the ball. The Lions are running the ball to clip like they never have before. And it's, it's scheme, it's offensive linemen stepping in and doing a great job. And, and it's finding production from guys like Jamal Williams in the absence of Swift. Defensively, they're changing things because they have to. Injuries are not. The results have been so bad that this, this past week, Campbell and Aaron Glenn took what they called a deep dive to review everything that's gone wrong with this defense, which is everything. They don't stop the run. They don't stop the pass. They don't get off the field. They don't stiffen up in the red zone. They're last in all of those categories. And a lot of that, to my mind anyways, comes from just being over aggressive. Aaron Glenn wants his defense to be built on pressure, and they've sent as many blitzes as anyone in the NFL this season, and yet rank near the bottom of the league in pressure rate. So that, that pressure just isn't getting home. And until they have guys like maybe Aiden Hutchinson who can get off blocks and beat guys, they have to dial that pressure back 
and try and contain defenses, maybe more than trying to overwhelm them. Jared Goff's an interesting guy in that. Obviously, the Rams gave up on him. And as Patriot Nation, we saw him uh, literally fall to his knees in the Super Bowl and just <laughs> sort of take a sack. And And I think yeah. the Patriots won that game in part because Goff wasn't good enough that day. Yeah. His numbers are phenomenal. But mm -hmm. what are the details of what he's been doing for that offense? Is he playing as well as his numbers? And is this a new Jared Goff? It's an old Jared Goff, really. I mean, Jared Goff in his first three seasons first two full seasons was a good pro bowl quarterback who had a steady pass rating around a hundred and, and did his job when he was surrounded by two things, weapons and a good O line. And the details of this offense so far go back to the summer when offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson stepped in and spent hours, days with Jared Goff in this facility, pouring over film from Goff's best days with the Rams to figure out, what works so well for you in Sean McVay's offense? Let's implement that into ours. And a lot of that is built off the play action, which, of course, requires a good run game. The Lions have that, and that's allowed Jared Goff to have time and step up and find guys in the pocket. And right now, he's playing like he did during those Pro Bowl years with the Rams. And a lot of it goes back to the work he and Ben Johnson put in this offseason. All right, so there are a couple of – even though, like you said, like they can't get off the field, can't stop the run, can't stop the pass, et cetera, but other than that, they're spectacular. Um, <laughs> other than that, how was the show, Mrs. Lincoln? How did you enjoy the game? Um, there are a couple of names that are, like, blossoming on the Lions' defense, like Aiden Hutchinson, number two overall pick. He can definitely get after it. Um, Andy and uh, I know somebody at the Patriots who kept telling us, like, who watch out for Malcolm Rodriguez. I could see him being a Bill Belichick guy. Turns out mm -hmm. he was drafted in the sixth round for you guys, and he's one of the highest-rated rookie defenders in the NFL. Yeah. And Jeff Okuda is finally coming into his own after a couple of injury-marred and less-than-stellar seasons. Are there any other defenders maybe we should have an eye on to either get picked on or to watch out for that might make a play for the Lions Sunday? I'll, I'll give you one of each. One to watch out for is defensive end Charles Harris, who is a former first-round pick who kind of flamed out in Miami and Atlanta and, and came here last year and played really well. Led the team in sacks, played well enough to get a three-year deal with this team, making pretty good money. And the thought was that rushing opposite Hutchinson this year, he was going to be even better and take his game to new heights. And he's been relatively quiet now through four games. Did have a strip sack and safety in week two, but otherwise hasn't made much of an impact. And I still think there's more there. He showed a lot last year, playing a lot of times against double teams. And, and I think he'll break through soon. That's one guy to watch on Sunday. On the other side of things, opposite Jeff Okuda, Amani Oruwarie, say that name five times fast, has really taken a step back this year after having six interceptions last year, and it's been picked on by a lot of teams, including Adam Thielen and the Vikings when he had six flags that day, mostly for defensive holding. And as well as Okuda has played, Oruwarie struggles have kind of negated some of that. And that's a guy that I know there aren't many passing weapons in New England right now, and obviously a limited quarterback. But if there's a guy this defense tries to target, I'd say it's probably number 24 in white. When Bill Belichick was doing his uh, Lou Holtz impression on Wednesday, as he does every week and talks <laughs> up certain aspects of the opponent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and he, you know, he loves the fourth down and the kicking oh, game in yeah. the third and he was all excited about Jack Fox, called him mm -hmm. a weapon. And Chris Board called him, I think, the best um, special teams player in the National Football League. Yeah. How, are, the, are the Lions as good as Belichick sort of talked about it in the kicking game? Yeah, and all of a sudden in Detroit, every writer is like, who the hell is Chris Board? Like, going through the roster, <laughs> trying to figure out like what this guy's all about. Because all of a sudden today, we're all writing stories about Chris Board. Because Bill <laughs> Belichick, the best yep. coach of all time, calls him – the best special teams player they'll see all season. And so, you know, last week, Chris Ford, so Belichick. Gets, he, get, he gets, he gets abused uh, on defense. He, he was liable on a number of big runs, but now we're like, wait, 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 he might be the second coming on special teams. So I can't tell you in all honesty, what things he's done that have caught Bill's eye on special teams. I don't watch the game with the same eye as Bill. I can tell you, but Jack Fox has been and continues to be a weapon punting the ball. He did throw a great 15-yard back shoulder fake punt last week that Belichick noted. But he's one of this team's best strengths. And it's funny, for all 
the struggles of this team historically, they always seem to have good special teams, either a kicker like Jason Hansen or Matt Prater oh. mm-hmm. or a great punter like Jack Fox, who this offense has been so good, they really haven't needed so far. But yeah, the special teams is really good. And, and Dave Fitt, special teams coordinator, just spoke today and he was talking about how much he looks up to Bill Belichick and said, you know, I want to go fishing on that guy's boat. And we're all, we all kind of laugh like, oh, that's, that's a cute thing. He's like, no, 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 I'm serious. I want to go fishing with Bill Belichick. So Dave Fitt was looking for an invite to Bill Belichick's boat. Oh, the old eight rings, the little, little dinghy that he parks in uh, Nantucket that probably won't have its name changed anytime soon if we're being <laughs> realistic. But that's okay. Uh, hey, listen, if we get a game as exciting as the last time these teams wore throwbacks, uh, Thanksgiving 2010, yeah. then we will be in for a show on Sunday. There should be great energy because uh, Pats fans obviously are kind of excited or want to will Bailey Zappi to a win, and they will have the Pat the Patriot throwback, so the stadium's going to be decorated. It's going to be uh, a beautiful day out there on Sunday, Will, so uh, we'd love to just get maybe a quick take, and uh, how do you see it shaking out? Man, it put me on the spot. Oh man, I when this when this game showed up on the schedule, I really liked the Lions built off of the motivation factor of playing Patricia again. And and I thought the defense would be better this year. Now I thought wrong, and I'm sure they'll make schematic changes this week, but I have a hard time putting my faith in this team right now, given how many points and yards they just gave up to Geno freaking Smith. And so we can sit here and say, oh, well, they're playing Bailey Zappi this week. And then they get Cooper Rush. And then they get Teddy Bridgewater. And it's like, well, they just got Geno Smith. And he looked like Dan Marino. So I, the long answer short, I think the Patriots win Sunday. And I think the Lions enter the bye in a crisis of confidence locally. Well, that's how they might enter the bye, and then you stuck us with Tavai, so I guess we both probably... <laughs> hey, I, meant to, I meant to ask. He's your special team star now, huh? He came up in a press conference today, too. I'm like, that's a name I didn't need to hear it anymore. No, no, and we don't need to see him anymore. On fourth and two last week, he gave up a 17-yard run, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I think Bill Belichick tricked Bob Quinn into drafting Tavai in the second round in 2018, because if he didn't, Belichick was going to. And so, from Detroit to New England... You can have Jelani Tavai. Oh, man, I don't know if it's a, he thought like, hey, I was able to like make something out of Van Noy one day. I can do it with Tavai. Like he was gone. He's gone nope. back to that well one too many times. Andy. <laughs> not working. Not working uh, at all. He's a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America. You can hear him and read him on 97 won the ticket. He covers all the Detroit sports at Birchy underscore kid. And the next Gansett is on us for sure. Uh, listen, Will, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for uh, giving us a little bit of the Detroit preview. And uh, have a have a great game on Sunday. And uh, we look forward to talking to you down the line, my guy. You got it. Cheers, neighbor. <laughs> At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing, so you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, man, get that guy against it. Crush it like Quint. That was a great spot. Thank you, Will, once again. If you would like to follow him, he's at Birchie underscore kid. 
does some great writing about baseball. Loves his Detroit Lions as well. I mean, he's doing a great job covering them. Moved out there a little while ago, but also has a fondness for New England. He sees it going the Patriot way on Sunday. I think I might as well. We'll get to that later on when we preview and bring in Shime Time and Jumbo to the program. But right now, we throw it to the local perspective. Our guy Andy Hart had a chance earlier this week to catch up with one of the one of the stars of the Patriots media cartel, if you will. He's as nice as he is smart, as he is handsome. Everything he does, he just does so well. You guys see him all over NBC Sports Boston. You read his work at NBCSportsBoston.com. Does a great job on the Patriots Talk podcast, as well as his own Next Pats podcast. Here he is, Andy Hart, with the one and the only Phil Perry. Back for another Gillette Stadium edition of the Six Rings podcast. And each and every week now during the season, we speak to a special beat reporter from here in New England and Foxborough. And today is maybe the most special of all, a master of all mediums covering the Patriots, podcasting, digital, anything you want to read, write, hear, or see. And he's Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston. So, Phil, first and foremost, welcome to Six Rings. Thank you for having me. What an intro. Special. Well, you are special in your own way. And I think your greatest achievement, quite frankly, is uh, working so closely with Tom Curran and not going postal or whatever we call it these days. Um, But I'm going to jump right in with something that's actually rooted in a TV appearance I did with Tom Curran. Second reference in under a minute for TC. Uh, In the next six weeks of the supposed soft spot of the Patriots schedule, beginning with the Lions, going through the Browns and the Bears and the Jets twice and the Colts, more likely that the New England Patriots go 6-0 and or 0-6. And, and yes, this is an A-B. You have to pick one. You can't tell me 3-3, three and 4-2, three, and 6-0 and or 0-6. There's no way they go 0-6. No shot. Two games against the Jets. I think the Jets are still kind of a joke. I know they've got two wins. They've got more wins than you do. You're in last place. I get it. I don't believe. So I'm going to say 6-0. and Is that what Curran said? That is what... Tom Curran said it's what Tom Giles said as well he actually kind of brought it up he started the debate being the homer of the segment we talked about Um, I disagree I go 0 and 6 now again we know neither is probably all that likely 6 and 0 I think people are pulling from last year in a similar spot when you were 1 and 3 2 and 4 then went on a run that had them as the number one seed and the, the Super Bowl contender And we may even be getting off on that foot against the Lions because we know that one of the characteristics of last year's winning streak was the other team didn't have some of their best players. And this week, certainly, Amon St. Brown and Swift are both out slash questionable. Who knows? So you could face a less than, quote unquote, Lions team. My point would be, first and foremost, you're one in three. So it is hard for a one in three team to project six wins in a row. You just want one win. Um, You're probably going to start Bailey Zappi, fourth round pick, for the first time in his NFL career. And quite frankly, the soft part of the schedule may not be quite as soft as some people once saw it with the Lions. Feisty Lions score a lot of points, give up a lot of points. Um, The Browns, Jacoby Brissett keeps them afloat. Zach Wilson, healthy making plays-ish, I'll give him credit. Um, the Colts, who knows what the Colts are in a Matt Ryan, but I I just, the way the Patriots are playing right now, it's hard for me to pick a win streak of six games. And I also go back to the old, it's easier to lose than it is to win. <laughs> like, you can find ways to lose. Um, so I guess that's where I'm from. But you apparently are more optimistic than I am heading out of the one and three stretch. So I'm going to ask you the question. We did this last year. I feel like it's like Groundhog Day year to year. Are they better than their 1-3 and record? This is what you get when you're covering a team that is relatively mediocre. The are they better than their record? What's the path to the postseason? That's coming soon. Just prepare for that. We know that's coming. Are they better than their 1-3 and record? No, I wouldn't say that. I do think they would have won that game in Green Bay if it had been their actual starting quarterback at quarterback as opposed to the third string guy. So I guess there's an argument to be made there. I still think that this was the expected outcome through four games. It actually is exactly how I foresaw it. I had to project every single game. Maybe you had to do this too for your website, every single game, all 17. And I had them one and three to finish the first four. And I had them with nine wins at the end of the year with a couple of games at the very end being the difference between making the playoffs and not. 
And I think your point about the schedule changing already just through four weeks is a great one because the Browns to me are better than I expected with Jacoby Brissett. Good on him. The Colts are worse than I expected with Matt Ryan. The Raiders, I think, aren't as bad as people think because two of their losses came down to essentially two-point conversions, which to me are kind of coin flips anyway. But I think people are looking at that game at the end of the season now and saying, hey, that's that, that didn't look like a winnable game before the year started, but now. So they are where I thought they would be. So I can't really sit here and say a one and three, they're much better than, they, than their record would suggest. Although I would say this, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. Offensively, they are more effective than I thought they would be. I hesitate to give Matt Patricia full credit because I think there are things that he is not done with Mac Jones that could have made them even better. That would have been relatively simple additions or calls or concepts to lean on, what have you. But they've been much better than I think we all thought in the summer, especially in the run game. They are by a lot of different metrics, the most efficient running team in the league. And nobody saw that coming in the summer. They were awful with the run game. So there is some positive there, even though they're one and three. I agree with you offensively. And I think unbeknownst to us, we played a role in that because I think we did set a low bar reporting just what we saw from the practice field. Very low bar. But I think, because I've heard even, even especially the first couple weeks, Listening to national reporters or national podcasts, it was like, oh, this is not as bad as I was led to believe by the New England media. Yeah, because it's not as bad as we were led to believe by our eyes on the practice field. Um, So I do think there's some truth to that. I I am all in on Ramondre Stevenson. I think Ramondre Stevenson could be a star. Now, I don't think he'll be a star this year because I think you probably want to maintain your two-headed back nature um, because I think you're going to have to lean on the running game. And if you can give... 200-ish carries to two different guys instead of trying to play the, you know, Derrick Henry 400 carry, let's just grind the hell out of this guy game. That's probably long-term a better option, especially for Stevenson, who will become your lead back next year you want for the long haul. But in terms of, because I think it's funny, I was with you, one and three, nine and eight, and I saw Vegas this week, at least the Vegas numbers I saw, finally dropped their win total from eight and a half to seven and a half. It didn't happen as of as of uh, last week. It took this loss, the one and three start, for them to drop a game off the eight and a half win total. So I'm wondering if you were at one and three, and now they have Bailey Zappi for the foreseeable future, a week, a couple weeks, who knows? Max on the practice field, but doesn't look great, kind of thing. Do you do you alter your expectations for this team over the long haul, or are you still at nine wins? The Zappi thing throws a wrench into my <laughs> predictions. I think a little bit because. I know he showed great poise. I will give him credit for that. He was prepared to run the plays that they gave him to run, which were not many probably, but he was ready for those. There weren't a lot of huge, obvious mental errors there. So good for him. He he checked all those boxes. I still don't think he's a quarterback that you're going to be able to win many games with. If you have to have him play, not only this week against the Lions, but maybe next week against the Browns, like – these could sort of snowball on you pretty quickly because I think he's not only limited in terms of the number of plays that he'll be able to run, even if he gets a full week of starters reps, he's just physically limited to me. He's not as mobile as Mac Jones. His arm is not as strong as either Mac Jones or Brian Hoyer, in my opinion. And I think we saw that there were a couple throws on the run. There was one, I think to maybe to Aguilar or to Henry. I can't remember now. Uh, along the right sideline where he's sprinting to his right and he spiked it about 10 yards in front of the guy. I mean, that's just, and that was the rap on him coming out of college was that really smart, tough, knows his offense inside and out, borderline NFL caliber arm. So if he has to play multiple games, I'm going to say that my total would have to drop. But can he beat the Lions? The Lions are a fun team, Andy. They're fun because they're going to light up the scoreboard on both ends. And I wonder if they're so bad defensively, the Patriots can just run all over them and win this game that way by hopefully getting a few stops of their own. So I still don't know where I'm picking this game. I haven't decided yet. It could be that I end up picking the Lions, though, in this game, which I think would have to drop my season-long win total down to eight. 
absolutely. Um, I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure who I'm picking, but if I think the Lions win, or, or hell, if the Lions just win, I don't know that the path to 9-8 and eight is, is really there. Although, you know, who knows? We, I, we get caught up in these one-month periods of the NFL where we think we know. You know, the old Belichick, okay, we're four games in, what do we know? And we think we know, and then an injury happens or just momentum changes, and we get a couple months away, and, and we look on, back on that and kind of wonder what we were thinking at the time. Um, the the topic of the week, one of them, which I am actually on the positive side of, so I'm interested to see where you lie, moral victories, which I'm going to take a word that you used previously today, mediocre. Uh, I think mediocre and bad teams can absolutely have moral victories. I think good teams, which Patriots fans saw for the better part of two decades and rightfully um, built up a certain swagger and a distaste for things of that nature, which I think was fueled by their head coach and their quarterback in that time period, moral victories weren't really a thing. You're not that anymore. You're a mediocre team. Right now you're a last place team. You're a bad team based on your record. I absolutely think this was a moral victory in Green Bay. When you look at Zappi having to play without his number one receiver and Jacoby Myers second week in a row, without arguably your best defensive lineman, who your run defense has fallen off the map since he got hurt. The second half against Baltimore and this week against Green Bay, your run defense has looked like it doesn't have one of its better players out there. You're without your number one corner. I mean, we're calling Jalen Mills your number one corner, I think, over the last year. So without all those things to take Aaron Rodgers to overtime, and I'm not a homer. I think Aaron Rodgers could have blown you out in the first half. He just missed throws. Flat out, one of the best of all time, missed throws. But I think it's okay with Bailey Zappi as your quarterback to kind of feel good, and you mentioned it, his comportment. Uh, you know, like, he handled, I would say, from the first quarter Sunday through Monday afternoon, which I do include in, in our radio station, WEEI. I thought he handled himself like a professional, like he, he didn't seem scared or timid, and, and I think it's okay to feel good about that. The problem is you kind of pack that away on Monday. Like, when he finishes his... Um, Merloni, Fourier, and Mego interview, you packed that away. So where do you stand on the moral victory? Was it a moral victory? Are you allowed to have moral victories in New England? Because it's Boston. If you don't have a ring, it don't mean a thing around here. Um, and, and can you build off what you did on Sunday? Funny for the guy with the podcast named after the championship rings that you would make the ring comment there about how no moral victories. If you, well, you know, some people believe that I suggested that this is how cynical they th they sort of perceive me that I suggested six rings, putting a, a final stamp on the Patriots. Like they have six rings, we can permanently name a podcast that, and we won't have to change it. We've built out a ten-year plan for this podcast. We won't need to change the name. This isn't Bill Belichick's boat. We're not repainting it, the number of rings, and renaming it. So there are people that believe that. But where do you fall on this week, the moral victory, and the building from this? There, I think there are moral victories for sure. I think this was one. I was stunned, honestly, after the game to hear players. Kendrick Bourne explicitly said that it was a moral victory. But even guys that have been here longer that have seen a lot of winning, like Matthew Slater, say, you know, usually we don't do moral victories around here. Something to that effect. But then going on to say, I have i can't tell you the last time I've been as proud of a team as I am of this one tonight. That blew me away. This guy won a Super Bowl just a few years ago. And after a loss in Green Bay, he's looking at the room and saying, man, am I proud of these guys. So I think they believe there are moral victories. I do believe this was one. I will push back, though. I think good teams can have moral victories, too. 2001, Patriots here lose to the St. Louis Rams. Very, you know, amazing team at the time. Greatest show on turf. But they had started to to build something, to show some promise, and they took that team to the brink. They lost. But I think a lot of people looked at it and said, man, these guys are, are actually kind of legit. And maybe it gave them some confidence too. I also would say there was a moral victory built into what was an absolute bludgeoning in 2014 in Kansas City, where the second half of that game – Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, actually moves the ball a little bit. Rob Gronkowski, I think, goes in for a touchdown. He's fighting through contact. And Bill Belichick talked about the fact that they competed a lot like what we heard in Green Bay the other night. The competition level of the team in a loss was admirable. And so I think you can have those even for good teams. 
I don't know how much this team is going to be able to build off of theirs in week four because I don't think this team is that good. I don't think the coaching staff is nearly as good as it was in those years. I don't, even though they're led by a great, great coach, I don't think the talent is there for them to be able to, to certainly push to where those teams got winning Super Bowls, but even to necessarily make a run. I'm just not sure it's that kind of year for them. I think it's a year where they sniff the postseason. They're a pretty good team, but I don't necessarily think this is going to be their launching point. Uh, you and I could not be more like-minded. That's actually a column I posted on WEEI this week, and I use those two examples. Those two, and the the 2001 example would be closer to this year for me because I don't think at that point you expected that to be a Super Bowl team in the transition from from Bledsoe to Brady, and even once he settled in, it's like, oh, this is a nice story. They're competitive, but are they really a Super Bowl team? And then they ended up. You know, one of the great stories, upsets in, in sports history, you know, and, and I'd be intrigued if we could find out from Bill, because you're right. We learned like we learned about those later that, oh, once you win the Super Bowl, I can tell you I learned something that night in that loss. I wish Bill would tell us this week, because that's my point. Like, I think this team right now has proven its mettle. Like, I think you can kind of check that off in terms of the Belichickian I won't know what kind of team I have for four, five, six games. No, I think your team has balls and grit to go the Kevin Garnett route. But I don't know if they're good enough. And it doesn't matter. Like, sometimes you can try really hard, and you want to win, and you are invested, and you're resilient, and you're not good enough. You don't have a good enough quarterback. You don't have enough playmakers on either side of the ball. And that certainly could be where this team ends up. But I also think from a coaching perspective, if you can check off that box, let's go back to the 9 I just can't get this team to do what I want it to do. I don't think Bill will lament this team's um, effort or, or anything of that nature. If he's lamenting things in December, I think it's what you and I are talking about. Boy, we just didn't really have the horses. I think what it's going to come down to, honestly, for this team this year is going to be the coaching. I really think that they probably – Can I pause you quick? When you say coaching, I'm going to need you to clarify and specify, please. Which coaching? Head coaching? Uh, play calling coaching on one side of the ball or the other? Can, can I get you to zero in a little bit on that? Specifically, Matt Patricia. That's what I wanted. The offensive play calling. I, I think, honestly, it's going to come down to him. And I feel – I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad for the guys making a fine living based on the job that he had previously. And now he's here working in a place where he wants to be. But he was sort of thrust into this borderline impossible for somebody with his background kind of situation. Where I'm sure he – you know, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. I wonder how much pushback he provided, if any, when it was brought to him that he might be both the offensive coordinator and the play caller here. Because I think someone with the requisite amount of humility and self-awareness would say, feels like a lot, Bill. I'm not sure that this is going to be a great idea. But, but wouldn't you think, and I agree with you, I've discussed this with people, like, I don't blame Matt. Except, you're right, he did take the job. He accepted the role. But I also think if a guy who is, A, your mentor and your pal and you really, but also seen as Aaron Rodgers just told us, like, that's the great, that's a legend. That's the greatest coach in football history. If the greatest coach in football history says you can do this, don't you say, he knows more than I do. He's seen more football than I do. I guess this will work. Sure. But Matt Patricia also has to know this doesn't happen. Never mind for someone who doesn't have any experience in either of the two roles that we're talking about here. So I look at him, though, and I say this season could go almost exactly the way it did. It went last season where, again, one and three start soft middle of the schedule. However, we feel about these teams individually now where you rack up a bunch of wins. Suddenly you're looking like one of the best teams in your conference, potentially. And then you have to figure out a way to with that grit with those balls that you described sneak into the postseason and then from there we'll see but for all of that to happen he is really the one variable it's mcdaniel's out it's patricia in i think they're actually more talented we're talking about how they probably aren't talented enough to make a deep deep run but i think they're more talented than they were last year especially at receiver that to me is the second most important position in football at least now, in 2022, after quarterback. It's corner. Or, sorry, it's receiver. Corner probably soon thereafter. Yep. And tackle. And so, I think they're better there. And I think they 
are hoping that they're set up for the kind of run they went on last year. I just don't know if Patricia is up to that task the way McDaniels was last year. And obviously tying into that, and we'll get you out of here on this, is Mac Jones. And I want to, since we're sort of doing a state of the Patriots after four games discussion here, Mac Jones' development, and I know people have talked about progressing or regressing, I want to focus more on durability, health, because we had twice in a three-game span, he couldn't go to the post-game podium, right? Couldn't fulfill those duties on that day because he was getting x-rayed. Because he had, one happened to be a minor injury, I guess we'll call it, where he didn't feel right, had to get it looked at. The other is a more significant injury that's costing him the first games of his career, not just here, but ever, he said, as a, as a quarterback. He'd never missed time before. And I know we went down this road like, with a Jimmy Garoppolo in a short period of time, you have multiple injuries. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The really great quarterbacks in this league don't miss time. And you had the best example of all time, maybe here where a thumb pops out of his hand and he's winning games the next week and it's not open heart surgery and the coach isn't even really playing it up, which may be a different topic for a different day. But have you reassessed anything with Mac Jones durability wise, or I will throw in there just playing wise, the turnovers and maybe the decisions that he's made over this short span. The durability thing I really don't put on him, and that may be unfair to the guy protecting him, but I look at not only the guys protecting him, but the guy coaching the guys protecting him, and I say, you know, because, Andy, if we had in March, right, and I remember talking to people around the league at the Combine about this move that it seemed like the Patriots were making, where Matt Patricia was going to be the play caller and Joe Judge was going to be coaching the quarterbacks. If in March we had this conversation we sat here and we said, well, what's the worst-case scenario, right, for the Patriots' offense? Well, worst-case scenario would be, I don't know, Mac Jones is injured and he's got, like, the worst quarterback rating in football? Well, you mean this? That'll never happen, right? But here we are. And not only is Mac Jones injured, but your, your backup's injured too. And one of them was on, I think, maybe the coaching in that the Dolphins bring an all-out blitz, they have Nelson Aguilar as part of the pass protection plan, and Mac Jones gets high load and hurts his back. The high ankle, I think, is probably harder to avoid because that one just felt like somebody got beat in your protection and your quarterback got hurt. But then, you know, what is Isaiah Wynn doing on the play where Brian Hoyer gets concussed? Where he's walking inside, it, it looks like it's pretty clear who's supposed to have who there, and he just – it wasn't just that he got beat. We've seen that happen to him too. It was that he wasn't even he wasn't even fully paying attention to the guy he was supposed to be blocking. So who's that on? I obviously it's on Win, but haven't we seen enough in the way of mental screw ups from that particular player that you start to look at the coaching staff and say, well, when are you going to tell either tell this guy what he needs to do differently or get him off the field in favor of somebody else? I I can't I can't sit here and put the durability thing on on Mac just yet based on the injuries that he's suffered and based on the situation that we know that's happening offensively in terms of his actual play. I think there's a real push pull happening here in terms of what they're asking him to do. Maybe what he's comfortable doing the results that we're seeing from this. And I think there's been some context lacking from both Tony Romo on the game broadcast the other day and Mike Lombardi, who's a friend of our Patriots talk podcast and, does a lot of really interesting, well-listened-to work in these parts because we know what his relationship is with Bill Belichick. But the context that's lacking in both of those cases when those two say things like, well, this offense isn't as bad as you think it is. They're just turning the ball over. And who's that on, you know, essentially? Lombardi put it in plainer terms, really put it at max feet. You can't have the positives of this offense, which are they're creating explosive plays. Mac Jones, through three weeks, was leading the league in – 20 plus yard yards does that make sense leading the league in 20 plus yard passing yards so balls that travel 20 yards i gotcha i gotcha good grief i hyped you up pretty high that there were you know the numbers are hard for me it's the math really that gets me in this job anyway you can't sit here and say well that stuff's all working What's up with these turnovers? Because the turnovers are a byproduct of what you're doing with the offense, which is pushing the ball down the field, throwing 50-50 balls to cover guys. Mac Jones has told us. It's a little bit different philosophy this year, but it's something we have to do, which, honestly, I kind of agree with. And I'm okay with the interceptions. They're not, obviously, or Mike Lombardi's not. And I, I, I'm interested to see if they continue to push with this offense 
because I think it might be a mistake to say, oh, we're throwing too many turnovers. We got to we gotta dial it back. I would say continue to be aggressive because if you're not, you become way too easy to defend. And I'd rather be closer to no risk it, no biscuit than dink and dunk and try to win games with 18 play drives. I just don't think you can do that in the league anymore. So I don't think he's regressed. I think the results are not so hot because they're asking him to do something that is by its nature, risky and leading to turnovers. He's Phil Perry, and uh, some people call him the senator. So appropriately, we just did a state of the Patriots after four games, and I hyped you up as the best in the business, and uh, I think you delivered for this uh, Six Rings podcast interview, aside from the math. Yeah, I really tailed off at the end there. But for the most part, I thought there were strong opinions, strong insight, and uh, we appreciate your first appearance, and I hope you'll consider uh, joining us again on one of these uh, Wednesday midweek Foxborough visits for the Six Rings podcast. And I would urge everyone to check out all of Phil's work, whether it be NBCSportsBoston.com, NBC Sports Boston on your cable or satellite provider, uh, the Patriots Talk podcast, Next Pats podcast, all the various outlets where you can get Phil and his handsome face telling you everything you need to know about the Patriots. This has been another Six Rings podcast. Please subscribe. Please download the Odyssey app. Rate us. And if you need to, complain about Fitzy. All right. Nice stuff from the Senator Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston down at Gillette. Andy Phil is a great guy. Rising star. Always a great chat. Guys, we've heard the Patriots perspective from Andy and Phil. Phil even thinking now if Bailey Zappi has to play a couple of extra games that his projected win total could come down a few pegs. We heard from Will Birchfield from Detroit 97 won the ticket about the Lions and how banged up they are, but how, or excuse me, rather, but how much grit and resolve that team has. So um, how do we see this one playing out Sunday? Shime, I'll start with you. Where do you think this is going? Yeah, this is a really tough one to kind of figure out. It, it, right now, the line is three, too. So for us gamblers, I, Mutt and I have been battling back and forth on exactly how to bet this. What I predict, though, is I it's, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, there's a reason that this Detroit Lions defense is uh, arguably the worst in the history of football through the four weeks of the sp- first four weeks of the sport. Uh, uh, squeeze me, not just the worst right now, the worst in the history of football? Yes. Yeah. 35.7 points per game allowed uh, is, I believe, the worst in football through the first four weeks of the season uh, ever. And and so I think that continues on a nice day at Foxborough. Uh, Hayden Winks of Underdog does this awesome chart when it comes to running the football where he has the upper right hand corner is what he calls the eruption zone. The top two teams in that outside of the Cleveland Browns are the Patriots and Lions. I think you're going to see a lot of running the football, especially with Jamal Williams, no DeAndre Swift, probably. So a lot of the, a lot of Jamal Williams and a lot of Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. I just want to, I just want to let everyone know who couldn't watch this on either social media, YouTube, Facebook, etc. The face Andy made when Shime said eruption zone is exactly the face you expected Andy Hart to make Andy, when Shime said eruption zone. I said eruption. Well, normally know, when Shime, Andy- normally when Shime brings out like these weird like analytics and stats and charts, I kind of roll my eyes. Hate, but you yeah. love the eruption zone. I, 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 I took the other day for daring to say DVOA or PFF. He brings up <laughs> eruption zone and you don't tie into him on that one. No, because I I like the sounds of it. And, you know, I enjoy the eruption zone with Ramondre Stevenson. So I'm on board. The only thing I would question is if they run the ball and don't get in the eruption zone and just run it in a more traditional sense, like four yards in a cloud of black pellets, that sometimes that keeps the score down. But where I start with this game is very simply, um, it's, it's as uncertain I've been going into a Patriots game very much so in a while. Like I felt really confident the first four weeks this year, my picks the end of last year, like confident hell the bills playoff game was as confident as I've ever picked against the Patriots. Like it was obvious they were getting blown out and couldn't compete this game. You can tell me lions blow out the Patriots. Mm -hmm. I can buy it. Mm -hmm. You could tell me Patriots blow out the lions. I could buy it. We'll take some like turnovers and some stuff, but I could buy it. You could tell me dog fight. You could tell me, Like, I just, I think these are two mediocre at best football teams that are going to give you a good effort. And I think that's where we are. And when you have that, but you're not really sure about the talent 
injuries are part of it for both teams, obviously. I don't trust Jared Goff. I'm sorry. I know he has a hundred passer rating and 11 touchdowns three. Like he's been good this year. I still see the guy that fell to his knees in the Super Bowl because somebody ran close to him and just like gave up. So I have, I, I know this doesn't make for necessarily good, like opinionated radio. I wouldn't touch this game with a 10 foot pole with my own money. Not at all. No, not even if it, that 10 foot pole could get you into the eruption zone. Uh, no, no. I, like I want to get in the re- eruption zone, but I want to also hold on to my money. Um, so like you're a thrifty, you don't bet on football. Yeah, not yet. But as soon as they get me a damn app in the state of Massachusetts, I'll be betting on it. So no, like how can you guys, I don't really know how you guys can feel confident in any direction about this game. I, I don't actually. And a couple quick points to Shimes and yours, Andy. Number one, thank you also for showing the professional restraint to not yell out when Shimes said eruption zone, like, oh, you mean like where I lay my head down at night? I appreciate that very much. We Go all thought it. Yeah. <laughs> Give you my O face. <laughs> actually, yeah, the eruption zone. <laughs> There's multiple eruption zones. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely. In, in I the erupt in many zones. All right, yeah, Mr. Go. IBS down there. Clean Absolutely. it up. Clean it up in aisle six rings. Uh, okay, number one, to your point of I don't know which way this game is going to go, and there we all sort of lack confidence in being able to tell listenership and or Patriots fans, like, here's how this game will play out. I think that makes this incredibly fun, and I think oh, yeah. that's part of the attraction to Sunday's game yep. and maybe puts a little juice into this season. Now, as far as it goes with, let's say the Patriots, let's say the Patriots win. Okay, uh, that was an audio ceiling tile that just fell, by the way. Jesus. Uh, well, no, my my bedroom is now turned. My office is now the eruption zone. Excuse me while I fix my camera. Apparently, yeah, that's, that's exciting. Hey, it's exciting times. It's a big game on Sunday, uh, so I can see if the Patriots win Sunday, I could see it with the Lions being as banged up as they are, and maybe the Patriots play possibly their most fundamentally sound game of the season. Maybe it sort of plays out the way that that Tennessee game did last year, where Tennessee was kind of in it for almost three quarters, and Tennessee had many opportunities to even tie it up if not take the lead but ultimately they were too banged up and the Patriots didn't make mistakes and took advantages of Tennessee's uh, inability to stop the run last year a couple key play action throws maybe that's how it goes this year and the Patriots are able to uh, effectively run the ball at will against the 32nd ranked now worst run defense in the NFL and the Pats win by more than seven points so our friend Tom Curran over at NBC Sports Boston, and he's Phil Perry's buddy, and they podcast together. And all. So I was I was actually in studio when he was finishing up his show Quick Slants the other night, and he was finishing mm-hmm. with his prediction. And he predicted Bailey Zappi to do something like, it was, I'm going to say like 15 of 21, 100 and something yards, one touchdown, two picks, Ooh. Patriots win. And I was like, that doesn't really... That doesn't really sound like it works to me. Like it, it, I mean, that's a hard stat line, in my opinion, for the Patriots to end out on top. If if Bailey Zappi loses the turnover battle, I think the Patriots lose the game. The one thing I will say, old friend Paul Perillo, friend of the Six Rings podcast, he's been on before and he'll be on again. Um, he has always had this theory that when Bill strokes the other team's special teams and punter during his Wednesday press conference, when he leads off with, Fox. I forgot his mm-hmm. first name. Whoever Fox is, is a weapon there. He's they're the punting. dude who he's the dude who like, he's a good ki- kickoff. He punts and didn't he throw a nice right. pass he, last week? He had a fake punt, the whole thing. And yeah. then he goes to Chris. I think it's Chris board, best special teamer in the league. Best special. Paul Perillo's running theory is, well, that's because Bill doesn't really think their offense or defense is very good. He has little respect for it. And he's feeling really good about this game. Now, I think that is dated philosophy dated back when like Bill knew what his team was. Cause I don't think Bill knows what his team is right now, especially with Bailey freaking zappy at quarterback. So maybe Bill has something up his sleeve and says the lions, they fight hard, but they're not really that good. I, I, I just, other than Ramondre Stevenson and the, um, what was it called again? The, uh, eruption zone. Zone. the eruption zone, um, which I buy into the Patriots are going to have to play in some ways like they did at Green Bay. The the old we talked about the other day, don't lose first and then try to win it. Let the Lions lose the game. Let Dan Campbell's team give up big plays or make stupid mistakes. Hey, Shime, I just wanted to run this by you. So Andy obviously has shown on previous podcasts his disdain for FB Outsiders, DVOA, PFF, EPA, War, etc. The thing that makes me want to watch the Detroit Lions. Hey, listen, it's your prerogative. It's the way you want to live, kid. 
But right. Real uh, football for real men. You uh, nerds. Stick all to your right. All right. I gave you a chance. Hold on. It's for Shime now. So, so Shime, the thing I love about the Lions, what was fun about them on Hard Knocks and what's been fun about watching them, uh, a red zone perpetual mainstay so far this season, is the DGAF factor about the Lions. Like, they just go out there every week. Like, they blitz a ton. They get burned all the time. And also on offense, they're just like, all right, whatever we're going to do to score, get out there, boys. They're creative. They're powerful. The line is good. They've got weapons. And they play every game like it's Mountain West football. It's well, fun the, to watch. The the other thing, they don't have any, like, fear, right? They're just fucking, yeah, right. they're just sending it. They are oh, just what? throwing, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, they're just throwing it all out I even out said there. DGAF. I, I would know, have loved I, to have said the whole thing. I'm sorry. Riled I thought up. it was a stat, by the way, when you first said that. Then I was like, yeah, oh, I, he means the old-fashioned DGAF. Yeah, yeah. And so, but there is a stat that Unquantifiable heart. There is a stat that Andy does actually adhere to a little bit that they uh, that that you have to take into consideration, and that the is GFY factor. No, that is the fact that the Lions score the most points in the league. Right. Points, points matter. matter. Yes, yes <laughs> points matter. And right. so uh, when like I don't necessarily buy that Belichick thinks that this offense necessarily sucks because without Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift and DJ Chark, this offense put up forty five points last week. Like there is this offensive line is badass. Panay Sewell looks exactly like what people touted him as. He just doesn't get the credit because he plays mm-hmm. offensive line. And right. so, what this, about Frank Ragnow? I know, Frank I know Ragnow he's might banged be up. one of the best centers the, in football. Oh, he like, absolutely is one of the best. You got Creed Humphrey, so, Corey Lindsley, Frank Ragnow. There's a reason and their other team, tackles good too. There's a reason this team runs the football so well, and that offensive line is a reason why. And I I can assure you Belichick knows that. And so I there's a good chance he thinks his defense stinks, because it does. Um, but uh, I don't necessarily buy that he thinks his offense outright stinks. That was borderline ASMR to even even more acronyms, Andy, for your enjoyment. I know what uh, that one means. Me, thank you. So let me ask you this, Andy. You get to play. Here's a fun little game for you. Usually you're in the same kind of mood he is. You get to play Coach Belichick for a minute. Do you? Do you? You got to put on flip flops and jeans. Oh, Jesus. So, Andy, do you take away the run from the Lions on Sunday or do you let them run and take away the pass? You know, basically, like, are you living in nickel and dime on Sunday or do you do everything you can to take away the run and be like, all right, Goff, beat me? Yeah, I would make Goff beat me, especially undermanned. Um, TJ Hawkinson has turned into what I thought he would be, one of the best tight ends in football. That's what he was drafted to be, and he is that. Um, but first of all, y- you seem to be under the uh, false sense of belief that I can stop the run if I choose to stop the run. If I'm this is what you what you try to do. I don't think you it's going to be a that easy. Belichick here because he would never say this, but Ooh. the reality is I don't <laughs> know if they can stop the run. Like I, and I, so isn't that it, like if Amon Ross doesn't play, doesn't it then make more sense to be like I've shut down Goff before? I can do it again, especially without Amon Ross St. Brown on the field. Like if you're going to run the football, we're going to tick the clock down a lot, and then I'm also going to get the ball back, and we're going to be able to keep it close. Doesn't you think that? Don't you think that might be more of the way he goes? If a Goff, um, sling, Goff slings it better than. Bailey's happy, don't you think? I mean, I think Goff is better now than when we beat him in the Super Bowl. Like, I, I think he's a better player. Yes. Um, I still have those ghosts and those doubts. But, yeah, he's a better player than Bailey Zappi. He's a rich man's Bailey Zappi at the very least. Um, I'm going to run And with that. they have the better offensive player in Hawkinson, right? So, right there, they have the makings of a better, theoretically, passing game. And we'll see. Health is going to be a factor for both teams. As And I think there's going to be some game time decisions that come into play for both teams that could alter uh, the way I look at this football game. But yes, old school. That's why it, I when you talked about the points earlier, it, I think there is a chance the Patriots are absolutely going to try to run the ball 35 times with Stevenson and Harris. And I think there's a chance they do want the Lions to run the ball and keep them below 38 points or whatever like keep their scoring down and by the way that means the six rings post game show could start around 3 30 on weei because that'll be a fast ass game flowing through the afternoon four hours together uh, on a sunday sober oh god help right. us all i or, make promises about the sobriety <laughs> uh that's a federal offense but that's fine 
Uh, hey, we'll make headlines. Garner the station, the buzz it's been dying for since they paired us up. In oh, the I'll buzz place. it. All right. Or the game could end at 430 because it might be 41 to 41 going into overtime again because the you Lions almost Bailey got to Zappi over- can score 41 points. No, I think that if they put up 24 against Green Bay, let's say whoa, whoa, you add another two whoa, whoa. touchdowns. I mean, maybe it's 38, 38, pick six. I mean, Carson uh, Wentz on, put up like 30 points on this let team. Let me He's also stinks. remind you, let me also remind you, I told Shime on the previous pod this week that if he can somehow find anywhere uh, odds on or a prop for Marcus Jones scoring a touchdown this weekend, I am all in on it. I think the Patriots get a special teams touchdown this weekend for sure. They need it. I think they will probably Agreed. need a special teams touchdown and a defensive touchdown to win this game. That's where I was going down the 2001 mm-hmm. Patriots old school uh, route to victory around a backup, you know, young quarterback trying mm-hmm. to find his way. Um, so, yeah, if they get that, then, yes, I think they could score 30-something points, and I think they'll have a chance to win this game. My problem is you can't count on that. Like, that's nice, but you certainly – I don't care how good Marcus Jones is. Prime of his career, Devin Hester didn't just, like, snap his fingers and score a touchdown in the return game. Like, you can't go in and say, right. well, as long as we score a return touchdown, as, as long as we get a pick six – from Jack Jones, we'll be fine. Uh, quick side note I have to bring mm-hmm. up as mm-hmm. the, because I, I wanted to mention this as we talk about Zappy, and we all know that I've made endless because he's Zappy and Zappy feet jokes. Um, mm-hmm. Dietrich Wise is now an honorary member of the Six Rings podcast because Dietrich Wise, also a big fan of Zappy humor, which he started in the locker room when he was waiting around Zappy's locker with the 652 reporters and said, I could fill in for him if you need me to. I just can't really zap it in there quite as well as he does. And he was like, I'll be here all week. And he went to the training room uh, and then he opened his press. Sounds like your guy. He is my guy. And then- he's a super nice guy. He's a gentleman. He's got a great handshake. He's awesome. funny. He likes looks now like he's going to fall apart like a marionette, but I don't. He's having a really good season he's so far. A good season, and so- he likes puns and dad jokes. Yes. I mean, are you kidding me? Hey, right Andy. Hey, Andy. You know what? Maybe after the game on Sunday, and if we have a successful victory post game show, I'll pour you a glass of Zappy Van Winkle. Terrible. I don't even know what that is. That's it's a whiskey. A, like a wine pa- reference. No, oh, it's Pappy it Van Winkle. That's the most I've expensive bourbon in the world. Hey, you know what? Actually, you know, you t- uh, like uh, that's for the dilettantes out there. For the more you're talking to, like uncultured pastor. swines, right? I'm sorry. Oh, did you I'm, say Miller well, Light? Oh my God! I can't believe you know I what, Andy? The don't worry. I'll take, the world. I'll take you to McDonald's and buy you a Zappy meal. Oh, oh now that I get. That I get. Do I get to keep the toy? Oh, and I hope Andy zaps yes. his pants on the way home. All right, nope. uh, which might. All actually right, let's happen. pick the game. Yeah, let's pick the game. It. All right, Shime, you have. The highest scoring offense in the NFL, which also accompanies the worst defense in the NFL on one side. And on the other side, you've got a rookie quarterback, fourth round, only taking snaps under center in Green um, Bay last time week. Out. Time out. Are we sure Zappy is starting? We're li- I mean, it's not certain. It's likely. We're basing no, no, a lot know, of this. But we hold out any hope of anything no. else. I don't. Okay. To be honest, I think they're better off with Zappy starting than a 50 to 60% Mac Jones. Yeah, I think all the videos we saw all week from Mike Giardi and company – just showed a guy that a mm-hmm. I think is doing something stupid because I've always learned it's in sports it. when you do physical activities while emphasizing protecting some aspect of your body during that activity half the time you hurt something else and I see oh, a guy sure. out there who's throwing funny now I know he's not competing throwing but that's why I wouldn't allow him to compete throwing he Bingo. can't put any weight on that front leg no. he can't roll through the throw so okay I just want to make sure we're clear right. that and maybe next week who knows a couple weeks from now but so Bailey Zappi versus Jared Goff and to your point Andy as well the most blitz happy team in the NFL they blitz at almost a 40 percent rate is the Lions and if you think they're going to blitz the blanks off of Bailey Zappi wait until you see what they would do to an, uh, an immobilized or a compromised Mac Jones. So worst defense and the worst offense on one side. And on the other side, you got a rookie quarterback making his first start with the energy of the home crowd on Pat, the Patriot throwback day on a beautiful autumn day, best rushing offense. Now the second worst run defense. What do you got? I am going to say that the Patriots will win this football game. Whoa. 30 to 28 on a Final drive of the game. They're going to waste like five minutes off the clock. They're going to kick the game-winning field goal from about 40 yards out. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. I can't stand it. I love it so much. That's so funny. You're one point off mine. I got 30-27 Patriots. Look at that. Andy, 
be different. I am going to be different. Um, I don't think the Patriots are playing great football right now. Um, I don't think the Lions are a pushover. And I think the Lions, can you imagine like what Dan Campbell is saying like about going to Foxborough? He's treating the Patriots and Belichick like they're Patriots and Belichick. Like, oh, yeah, his like they're the dynasty. Fox, yeah, this is this is a pelt that they want to put on their wall. This is like the lion is chasing the hyena, and this is a, a strong hyena. So um, even though it may not be, I'm going to take the lion's to win. I don't feel great about it. I'm not saying like, oh, the Lions are going to kick ass. Nope. Yeah, I think it's going to be close, man. Yeah. I'm going to go sure. Lions 27 Patriots 17. Ooh. Lions Decisive 27 pa- 10 points. So, uh, and if Bailey so, Zapp- uh Go ahead, Fitzy. I was just going to say, bad game from Zappy or just too much uh, like, do the Lions dictate the I think Zappy will throw at least one interception um, and then if he's chasing... Certainly in my in my scenario, if he's chasing double digits late, you know, in the second half, fourth quarter, there's an opportunity because he's got the gunslinger mentality without the gunslinger arm, uh, which I love about him. I, I mm-hmm. really, truly love about him, but it could go spectacularly poorly at various points in his NFL career. Um, so, yeah, I think he turns it over and, and doesn't have a great day. Yeah, the last thing I just want to mention, you mentioned how you think it could be like a pelt for Dan Dan Campbell. Yep. I also think Belichick in this in this game, in a way, is kind of coaching from like backed into a corner. Like they are now one in three. If they want to salvage this season at all, it has to start now. This is the Detroit Lions. Your schedule is not going to get easier going forward outside of the New York Jets. You got to get a win against the the Lions and the ba- Browns if you want to salvage the season. So oh, yeah. I, I think Belichick is coaching with everything he's got for the game. It's funny because I've kind of – the season is what it is in my mind. But, like, if you think you're going to even have a path to the postseason by yeah. November, mm. you absolutely have to win this game. You Bingo. cannot be one and four. You, you can drop one Lions. maybe on the uh, on that soft part. This middle, But not to the this, Lions at home. No, you got to win this one. Maybe you lose to the Browns. You got to beat the Jets. You have you gotta to beat, beat the, the Colts and you got to beat the Bears for sure. Yeah, exactly. All right. I got 30 to 27 as well. The Lions have the ball at the end. They turn it over on four downs. Crowd goes wild. Pat the Patriots celebrates. It'll be Zappy Van Winkle all around for everybody. Can not wait. Uh, it's it's an it's kind of an awesome matchup. And who had any idea? And lest we forget also the double Patricia revenge factor. Is this a Matt Patricia getting revenge on the Lions game? Or as I've heard, all the enmity coming from Detroit about Matt Patricia, is it a Lions revenge game against Patricia? We shall see. Or is it a Jelani Tavaya revenge game? Yes. Or is it Either Bill way. Belichick revenge against Dan Campbell? Or is it Goff getting revenge against Belichick? What great theater. Either way, guys, don't uh-huh. worry. Be zappy. All right. Well, That's the end of the podcast, Detroit everyone. Thank- this message. It had a nice zappy ring to it. All right. For at Shime Time and at Jumbo Heart and your old pal, Nick Fitzy Stevens at Fitzy GFY. Big thanks again to Phil Perry, the senator from NBC Sports Boston and Will Birchfield from 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit. This has been the Six Rings and Football Things Lions Patriots preview podcast. Make sure you give all the guys a follow. Tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe, and we will talk to you Sunday on the Six Rings postgame show on WEEI. See ya.